0: Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. So, good morning, everyone. I want to ask, what are the big New Year's resolutions that have been made? Does anyone have any big New Year's resolutions? Things that are going to change this year. What's the saying? New year, new me, right? Yeah, that's, that's true. And if you say it here, everyone hears you. Then you really have to do it. But we've got all sorts of resolutions, things that we're striving for, things that perhaps last year we were doing okay, and we kind of tapered off, especially as December comes. Because December you have to relax, right? Diets don't count in December. What is working out in December? What is that even? Is the gym even open? Uh, so, my, one of my resolutions is to get fit again, so I'm going to the gym either today or tomorrow, depending on how good the Sunday nap is. Sunday naps are very, very important. But we have a lot of things that we're striving for, and I'm sure every one of us has one thing, or a couple of things, or many things, that you're saying, this year, I want to do better. That this year, I want to strive for this. You've got goals set before you and saying, this year, I am going to destroy these goals, right? And striving is, is, is a great thing. Um, our Bible reading plan, as we started it, I love, I love the book of Genesis, right? Genesis, and actually a lot of the Old Testament, is like an action story. At some point, it's horrific. At some point, there are just crazy things everywhere. In my Bible, I've got... I've I've underlined everywhere, and I've got ha-ha and things like that, or this is weird, or this is strange, or why is this here? I love going into Genesis, and and our sermon today is going to be from um, the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 11, and so many of us know this story, and I'm reading from the NLT. Um, It'll be on the screen, but if you'd like to read it in your own Bible, digital or physical, uh, you're more than welcome to. So Genesis 11 says, at one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building, and he said, look, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world and they stopped building the city. That is why the city is called Babel, because it is, that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. And in this way, he scattered them all over the world. So we have these people that have decided we're going to build this great city, right? And the first time, I remember the first time reading this, wondering, oh, what's, what's so bad about this? I mean, they're building a city. They're going to build uh, tall towers, um, I, I have dreams one day of going to some of the highest buildings all over the world and just looking out. And so I was thinking about this, like, that's a, tall buildings are great things, right? But it's about the, the motive and the intention of the heart. The fact that they were uh, learning new things, it says in, in verse 3, that they were discovering a new building method. They had shifted from using stone and tar to these bricks that they were making. So this is a new technology, right? And I think God celebrates things like this. He celebrates our, our discoveries. He celebrates when he, we, we learn new things, when we invent new things, when we discover things, because he made our minds, right? And, and I think he celebrates it because he wants this mind to be exercised, right? He didn't give us a mind for it just to rot away. And, and human beings throughout the ages have been doing all sorts of things. If you go back to, to Genesis chapter 4, from verse 20 to, to, to 22, this is an, an account of um, Cain's son, right? And, and Cain's sons, actually. And it says, Ada gave birth to Jabal, who was the first of those who raise livestock and live in tents. Actually, this is Cain's grandson. And his brother's name was Jabal, the first of all who played the harp and flute. Lamech's other wife, Zillah, gave birth to a son, Tubal-Cain and he became an expert in forging the tools of bronze and iron. So in this one group of people, in this one family, we have the first agricultural scientists. because We have people who are raising livestock. Right? So they're having to, to figure out what's good for them, what's bad for them, what plants will kill them, where to take them when it rains. Um, all these things, they're, try- they're, they're starting to figure out. They're putting together an agricultural system and then we also have the first mobile home owners and campers. Right? These are the same people. Right? So they're developing a new kind of shelter and probably a new way of living. Probably semi-nomadic with their, with, um, their, their animals. And for everyone who loves camping, this one is your father. This is the beginning. <laughs> Say thank you to this guy. Right? We have inventors of the flute and the harp. I'm grateful to that because the harp, later on, gave birth to the guitar. So I'm very grateful for that. But here we are, close to the beginning of time, and these people are figuring out all of these things, the brilliance in these people. So they would have also had to come up not only with instruments, but with a whole system, music theory, um, the system of how to play and how to to then uh, pass on this information to other people. Right, they put together their first band. We also have an expert blacksmith who learned how to mine and forge all sorts of things from this new material that they're discovering. I thought this was interesting that this is mentioned because this, these are not the people who chose to follow God. This is Cain's line. Cain decided to walk away from God, and these people, in another translation, it talks about them being uh, the, the son of. of of men. And those who followed God in in early Genesis are referred to as the sons of God. And so these these are people who are not following God. So in my mind, I was thinking, why would God even mention these people? These are the people who have chosen to walk away from God. But I think God acknowledges these things because he celebrates um, what he's made. He says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God is celebrating this this genius by recording it in His Word for us to hear. Now, every one of these people must have had incredible ambition to do what they're doing. It's a a difficult thing to be the first one who does something. You don't know what could go wrong. A lot of the times you're not getting anything right. You have to strive and strive. No one is encouraging you. They probably think, this is a crazy person. Why are you putting together those pieces of wood and those strings? You've been doing this for weeks. What are you getting up to? Right? There's a lot of discouragement. And so these people have to strive. They have to be so focused. They have to have this incredible ambition. And God says this in many, in, in many places in the Scriptures... He encourages us to work hard and to strive hard at whatever we are doing. In Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10, it says, Whatever you do, do well, for when you go to the grave, there will be no more work or planning or knowledge or wisdom. Right? I was reading about Solomon yesterday and how he asked God for wisdom, and he got wisdom in, in, in there's these stories of him dealing with matters. There's the matter of the lady, cool. the ladies who... One was saying, this is my child. This one's saying, no, my child passed away. You can go and read the story. But Solomon deals with incredible wisdom with that. But then as people come, the, the queen of Sheba, the queen of uh, Ethiopia comes, and she comes to, to sit with him and hear about his knowledge. And in, in, in that chapter, it talks about how uh, he had knowledge of all sorts of things. So Solomon was studying about plants, uh, about animals. It says he could talk about all of these things. This was a man who he too was striving, was ambitious to get this knowledge. So the problem doesn't lie with ambition, right? Our ambition and our striving, that is not the problem. That's a neutral thing. The problem lies with the intention of the great ambition, right? So they, they said in verse 4 Come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky, will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. In the New King James and the ESV, it says, let's build a tower that reaches to God. That They're saying they want to be as great as God, and, I, and they're, breaking, they're breaking two commandments in this, in this striving for this ambition. The first one is that they are living the opposite way of what God told them to do. They said... We want to build this city in this place with this high tower so we are not scattered all over the earth. They wanted to be in one place. Right? In Genesis 1, verse 28, it says, Then God blessed them and says this Be fruitful and multiply. And what's the next line? Fill the earth and govern it. You have to spread out. Right? And I was wondering about this. I thought, Why? Why would God stress out so much? I mean, they are going to multiply. These people in this city—that's what people do, right? It's gonna happen. But why would He spread it out? God wants them to go out and discover new things, and to go out and to, to be the the um, caretakers of this caretakers. Sorry, caretakers of this world, right? They're supposed to go out to all these places. And and I was reading. Uh, an article yesterday about how overpopulation also destroys the environment around us, that when you have people concentrated in one place, right, we, we are more taxing on the environment around us, uh, we just destroy, 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 the animals disappear, um, you read everywhere about all sorts of creatures that are close to, that are critically endangered, close to extinction because people show up there, and they decide, let's hunt everything, right? But we put a strain on the world around us, and uh, this is just my own speculation, but I think that might have been one of the reasons as well, that God didn't want for this part of this, this beautiful earth that he's made, with all this space, for this to to be demolished and destroyed by people. God knows he's put his world and and systems in place, and so when he says, go out and, and subdue the earth, fill the earth, spread out, go to all these new places. He has reasons for saying that. But the greater commandment that they were breaking um, was putting themselves above God. Now, in Genesis, and to this point, we don't have an explicit commandment uh, that you shall worship no other God or you should put no other God before me. But already in the beginning of Genesis, we can see that the people had already begun worshiping and giving God honor. Right? The story of our first murder starts with that, the worship of God. Cain and Abel come in, in Genesis 2, uh, 4, verse 2 to 5. It says, when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. And when it was time to harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. And Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but did not accept Cain and his gift. So we have this picture of them honoring God, of them bringing bringing the the first fruits of their harvest and, and of their flock to God, honoring him and saying, from you all things come, and we are grateful to you. We know that you are God, you are where you are, and we are mere men. This had already happened. Uh, before this, uh, after 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 um, Abel had been murdered by Cain, uh, uh, Adam and Eve had another son called Seth. And it says, uh, from, from the time that Seth was born, they began to call upon the name of the Lord. There's a relationship of worshiping God. So these people speaking the same language and having interacted, even though, even though they're the line of people who decided to walk away from God they knew that God was still God. Because they said, we want to reach God, the heavens. They decided we're going to step and stand in the place of God. So God says this, the Lord came down to look at the city and the, and the tower the people were building and says, look, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Right? And this is, not, this is not a great thing like, oh, they're going to achieve great things. This is God saying that as, as you see them coming together now, and they're using their combined intelligence to do what is wrong, if we don't slow this down, the evil they will get up to, we can't even imagine. Right? Earlier in, in, Genesis, uh, in Genesis, we see that God speaks uh, about the earth and its condition that makes him decide to send the flood. It says that the inclination, every thought, every action was evil. That this is what the people had decided to do with this unity. So God says, let's go down. And this is, this is really cool. This is the first time I saw this. But he says, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. So we have the people unifying, united as one. And they use this unity to build evil. And then we have God, let's go down, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, coming down to confuse, to promote goodness, and to slow down the evil. We have the, the, the mirror images of these two things. And then God scatters them all over the world, and they stop building this building. You see, I think with this passage, God is, is trying to tell us to watch where our ambition is taking us, and what are our motives as we strive to do the many things that we're gonna do. All right, now there are, there are ambitions that are bad. Like, if I decided today that my ambition this year is to date as many women as possible while still being married, everyone can say that is not good, right? That's, that's, that's an evil ambition. If I say, I want to gain money by any means necessary, whether I have to cheat, steal, or kill, we can all agree that that's evil ambition. But there are many other things that are kind of neutral, like exercising. It's a neutral thing. right? Going to work, it's a neutral thing, and it's a good thing. Like going to school, uh, doing sport, uh, the time that you spend with your family, right? all these things. Uh, we can set up all these goals, and these can be neutral things, but if we have the wrong intention with that, it can still be a bad thing. If I say that my ambition is to be to get promoted a few times, and even if I have to throw people under the bus, if I have to lie about this person, if I have to pull them down, I'll do it, then here this neutral ambition becomes selfish, and destructive. So I think it's, it's very important for us, especially at the beginning of the year, because um, it's important for us to plan, right? We need to plan. If we don't have a, a plan in front of us, we just run around confused, and we get to the end of the year, and you realize, I have done nothing, right? Isn't that a horrible feeling? When you look back at your year and realize, I had hundreds of things I wanted to do I didn't even finish one. I know every single one of us have felt that. So how do we then measure what is good and what is bad? How do we look at our ambition and say, God, is this good, is this bad? Well, God gives us this verse in Matthew 6, verse 33. We all know it. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. That tells me that we actually need to, as, the, as, as our year begins, that we need to have goals that are about seeking God's kingdom. And everything else can work through that or work in service of that. So if I say, I want to win 10 people to Christ this year, Right? That's a good ambition to have. Not to say that we can decide or we can actually make that happen. We just make the effort and God works in the hearts of people and people make choices as well, right? But it's a good ambition to have that I'm going to win people to Christ. Then I need to look at every other thing. How will I win people to Christ? How will I use all these other things that I'm striving to do? Like how will I use my time in the gym, to lead people to Christ? How will I use my time um, as a teacher in the school to win people to Christ? How will I use my time as a student in the classroom to win people to Christ? How will I use every minute at work to win people to Christ? And everything becomes something that is in service of God's big plan. It says God desires that all people, that none would perish, that all people would come to know him. Right? In, the, in the Lord's Prayer, we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. We actually need to be setting goals. So I want to encourage you, when you, you can already start doing it now, but when you get home, prayerfully set goals that are about God's kingdom. Because that's what, what all of our lives are about. As believers, that's what we live for. We live to see God's kingdom grow. We live to build into that kingdom. And if we don't do that, every other thing we do, no matter how great it is, at the end of eternity will count for nothing. So there are all sorts of ways we can figure out how God wants us to do these things. Right? As we read through the Bible plan this year, God will continue to show you, do this and do that. We, we just read the, the Beatitudes in Matthew a couple of days ago, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, blessed are the pure in heart. Uh, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are you when you're uh, persecuted, right? Pray for your enemies. It, it, it gives us this blueprint of who we are supposed to be. That God says, these are the things that I want you to strive for. Instead of wanting to look like, the the guy at the top, the guy or girl at the top. Be poor in spirit. Be a person who strives to know how fallen you are so that you come to God and say, only you, only you make me good. Instead of uh, being harsh, be merciful and kind. Throughout his his word, he teaches us and that's a a fantastic thing that we can do, an exercise that we can do every day. That as we go into, into his word, as we read his word, that that day you say, okay, God, What are you telling me to strive for? How are you telling me to be ambitious here? I think with with everything else, I think we also need to think about every other task that we do, right? Whether it's a new venture or it's it's, uh, all the mundane things, work, exercise, family time, school, sport, um, studying, all these things, Bring them to God and prayerfully ask, God, how do I change this so that my ambition here is not about myself? It's not about my pride, it's not about making me look good. How do I bring this to you and you transform my intention for this to be about you? I'd like for us to to, to close in in a time of prayer. And um, but I'd like for us to, to, to use this this verse, Psalm 139, verse 24 and ask God, search my heart with this. It says, see if there's any offensive way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. But God, as, as, as I look at my ambitions, look at these things. Uh, search me and show me where I'm wrong in my way that I'm thinking about these things, where I've taken the focus off of you and onto myself and my own gains and my own thing. So let's spend some time praying. Um, when you hear the music... Let's stand together and let's worship I we'll pray for a couple of minutes. This is Rico Oveka, and I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today. And it is my hope that you'll join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.